Hi, Frank. Thank you so much for being here today. We're super excited to have you. I would love if you could introduce yourself. Uh, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, well, my name is uh, my name is actually Frank Scalise. It's my real name, but I write crime fiction under the pseudonym Frank Zafiro, and I have used that pen name since two thousand and four. Um, and uh, so I uh, I spent a couple of few years in the military in, in military intelligence uh, right out of high school. Uh, after one stint there. Uh, I got out and uh, a few years later started my police career in Spokane, Washington. I was pretty fortunate in that career and that I got to uh, do a lot of the different jobs that that you do, uh, that you can do in police work, in patrol and investigations. Um, and then in the second half of my career, I, I spent that in leadership roles. And so all of the things I didn't get to do as an operator, um, I, I was fortunate enough to command the units that did those things. So I got to get some experience with canine and, and SWAT and, and, and all the specialty groups and uh, work with volunteers and just uh, all, all kinds of things like that, which, you know, has really helped me in my writing career, as you might imagine, having at least dabbled in these in these different areas. Um, I worked uh, 20 years in Spokane, uh, retired as a captain in 2013, uh, did a little leadership teaching for the International Association of chiefs of police, uh, a not-for-profit uh, kind of training-focused organization. Uh, did that for for four years all over the U.S. and Canada. Especially loved my time in Canada. Um, and then uh, finally in 2017, though, um, I wasn't home enough with the traveling, and uh, I wasn't writing as much as I wanted. And so I decided to. I'd hung up my badge. I decided to hang up my. Uh, PowerPoint clicker as well. <laughs> and so uh, 2017, end of that year, uh, started writing absolutely full-time from 2018 forward. Um, my first book was published in 2006. Uh, that was the first book in my River City series under a raging moon. And uh, right now I'm over 40 books uh, published. That's amazing. I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about what your books are about. Uh, well, my tagline is that I write gritty crime fiction from both sides of the badge. And what that means is that uh, the River City series, my primary series, um, I'm working on book number 14 in that series right now, just about done with the first draft. Um, that's a series with it's a police procedural, which means that the focus um, is not just on uh, finding the criminal, but also the process by which uh, that happens. Um, and and so that that's my primary series. It's a cast of of uh, uh, of characters uh, that you do get to know over time. Some retire, some leave in other ways. Uh, new ones come in, uh, but the core of that series really is uh, officer. Um, spoiler alert now detective uh, Katie McLeod uh, who has been in it from the very first book um, and, and so in these books the police officers are far from perfect but they are the good guys and and they are going to win most of the time although not always and, and never without a cost uh, it's, a, it's a gritty realistic series um, but I write other series as well uh, I read another police procedural series with my uh, good friend Colin Conway, the Charlie 316 series. That's also a procedural, although there's a little bit more of a political um, 
presence in those books. Uh, and then I write some private detective books, some hard-boiled uh, series as well, a couple of them. Um, and so, and then my Spokompton series is the other side of the badge. <laughs> it's the it's the criminal side. The the protagonists in those books are all uh, on the wrong side of the law, so to speak. And so you get things from their perspective. And while the cops aren't the bad guys in those books, they are the bad guys to the main character. Uh, or at least the antagonists. Uh, and so, I mean, unless, if you like mystery, and unless you're a cozy reader, which if you are, I have a few places to point you, Colin in particular, um, but uh, outside of cozy uh, and traditional, you know, Agatha Christie type of mysteries, I pretty much have the whole of the subgenres covered with one series or another. Amazing. What inspired you to write your books? Well, you know, that's a question you get a lot as a writer. It's it's uh it's like, you know, one of the top 5 probably. And 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 the the real answer is that I've always felt like I was a writer. I've always identified as a writer since I was very young. Um and so I I've always been writing, much like maybe somebody who's very into music has always been a musician, uh but maybe they didn't start playing, you know, grunge until their 30s or something, you know. Um, for me, um, I was writing all through my life with a couple of, of, of gaps uh, because of life circumstances. Um, and, and one of those gaps occurred when I went back to school after I came on the job. I was about three years into to being a police officer. I, I went back to college as well, full time, got my degree in history. And so there was a good six years there where I was writing a lot of police reports. I was writing a lot of term papers, um, but I didn't really have a lot of time for, for fiction because I was also, in addition to going to school, I was learning a new job uh, every every couple of years. Um, and so there was a gap there. When I kind of came out of that time period, it was around 2004, I, I had kind of a steadier position. It was a day shift office job. So uh, for those cops listening, I was a, I was a house cat for a few years there. Uh, after I became a sergeant, um, things became more settled, and uh, uh, right the opportunity to write fiction opened up for me again. And they you know they say write what you know. Well, I was experiencing the crime, the world of crime and policing, and so the fiction that came out at that point was was you know inspired by my experiences or my thoughts about my experiences or, you know, fantasies about them at some times. Amazing. When writing your books, who are you thinking of when it comes to who your books are for? You know, they say you should do that. And, and I sometimes have people in mind when I write certain characters or certain scenes. Um, but I don't really have a, a, a fixed person in mind constantly. I mean, my wife is my first reader. She reads everything. Um, I have a really good uh, editing relationship with my co-author, Colin Conway, and we, we do a lot of editing for each other. And so those two are in my mind a lot as I, I maybe write a certain passage or struggle with a certain passage, wondering what they might say about the end result. Uh, but I don't have an ideal reader in my mind. Um, mostly I want, I want, I write for people who want their fiction to be realistic and and usually 
at least leaning hopeful, uh, even if it's dark. Um, you know, I mean, I have written some noir and noir obviously is, is characterized by the fact that, you know, everybody loses or at least all the people you're rooting for do. And I, and I've written some of those stories, uh, but even in those, I try to inject a little bit of, if not hope resilience, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan and my, uh, my favorite album is the first one I ever came in contact with, uh, called darkness on the edge of town. Um, and pretty much that entire album is exactly that it's about you know hard situations and and tough times um and people getting beaten down but at the same time there's this underlying sense of resilience and resilience can become hope and so i'm looking to write books and stories mostly for readers who who want that um i'm just not good at writing the um the beach read where someone wants to read something and just be you know cotton candy happy and and those are great books i'm not putting them down um they're just outside my wheelhouse i just don't think i can do it and so that's that's kind of who i'm writing for amazing how long have you been writing and what made you really sit down and start uh you know i remember writing actual stories in 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 what we called junior high back in the uh, Paleolithic period that I grew up in. Um, now it's middle school. Uh, you know, 12, 13, writing, writing stories that were really more vignettes and most of them extremely derivative of the different things I was reading at the time. Um, but I was writing, you know, with a purpose even, at, you know, at that, at that age. Um, I, I tried to get my footing as I was in the, my early 20s in the military. And then after uh, coming on the job, I, I you know, had a, a couple of, uh, you know, things published, but nothing breakthrough by any means. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I go back to, I had that gap where I wasn't really wasn't writing fiction. And what inspired me, once I had even a little bit of time to do so, was the fact that that's who I am, right? That's what I do. I mean, if if nobody read the stories, um, I, I would still be writing them. Um, and and that's, you know, just like somebody might play guitar in, in an empty room. It's the same kind of thing. You're just almost, it's almost compulsive. Certainly there's a compelling, there's a, a need to tell these stories. And, and they're, uh, they're far richer when they're shared, you know, when you talk about them with other writers or when readers read them and, and, and give you feedback. Uh, but ultimately, I think I'm inspired by the fact that that's just who I am. Love that. What is your schedule like when you are writing a book? Well, I'm fortunate that, you know, I retired from my, my first career and my wife is a teacher. She's still in, in her career. Um, and so, you know, I have the luxury of uh, health insurance, uh, which allows me to, to be at home and to, uh, to write full time. And so while I do know some writers have a very rigid schedule, my, my co-author Colin Conway is a great example of that. He's up at four in the morning every, every day and, and writing before five, uh, all his words that he's going to new words that he's going to get out. Um, I've tried that and, and, and sometimes I'll go with that for a few months and it works for me. Um, but I'm a little bit more, I have a little bit more flexibility there. Um, I tend to write 
in larger chunks. I mean, some people take the, you know, eat an elephant one bite at a time sort of approach to finishing their book. And I, I think I, I try to eat him one haunch at a time, it seems like. And I think that's born of the fact that prior to fully retiring from, from my, my law enforcement related careers um, in, at the end of 2017, I, I had to steal time sort of to, to write. And, and so I wrote in large blocks and, and that became a habit and it's been a hard habit to shake. Um, now the good side of it is, is that if I'm rolling, I don't have any problem rolling for, you know, four, six hours or more. Um, you know, it doesn't feel weird or I don't stop myself. Uh, so that's the benefit. The downside to it is, is that, uh, you know, it's not four to 6 AM every day, you know, 1500 words or, or whatever, uh, like some of my more disciplined peers do. Amazing. What do you need in your writing space to help you stay focused? Um, well, what I really should need is to turn off the internet because I do occasionally get distracted if my phone buzzes or, uh, you know, I get an email or something like that, uh, unless I'm in the middle of the absolute most thrilling passage I ever wrote, it's easy to get distracted. Um, and you can, you know how you can go down a rabbit hole, you know, you get an email, I'll just send this back real quick. Uh, nope, that's not till the 23rd. And then you realize, oh, I didn't answer the one below it. And that takes a little longer. And, or, you know, and before you, you realize that you've lost 20 minutes that, that you would have been uh, spending writing. Uh, so uh, I guess what I need is uh, somebody with a, uh, with a writing crop to smack me upside the back of the head anytime I get distracted. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I just need, uh, I just need the basic tools uh, of a writer, which would be, you know, a keyboard uh, program to write in and access to a constant infusion of coffee. I love it. What is your favorite writing snack or drink? Um, ask and answered your honor. Um, I think, I think coffee obviously is, is, uh, the number one drink. Uh, I, I try to switch over to water as the, uh, morning ebbs, uh, just, just for health reasons. Um, snack wise, I don't usually snack at, at, at the keyboard when I'm writing. I, I'll take a break if I, if I need to go have some lunch or, or, uh, or whatever. So, uh, I tend to not snack uh, on food, uh, just uh, copious amounts of, of Java. Love that. What type of books do you personally enjoy reading? Um, I love crime fiction. I can't, you know, I mean, I write a bunch of it and I still love reading it. Um, and and so I've, I've enjoyed uh, a wide range of crime fiction from, you know, from people who everybody's heard of, you know, like Dennis Lehane and Michael Connolly. I mean, these, you know, Sue Grafton, these are all great writers that everybody knows. Um, and, and I enjoy those as well. Uh, but I also get a, a, a big thrill out of reading my peers. Um, you know, and I say peers loosely, some of them are way more successful than I am, but, uh, you know, they're, they're people who deign to speak to me at conferences. So I'll consider them peers. Um, you know, and so reading people like Jordan Harper, who's, who's written some really good books, including she writes shotgun 
and more recently, everybody knows, um, you know, uh, this is, you know, uh, Jim Latwell, who, who recently got a lefty nomination for his book, Dead Drop, um, you know, and, and, and everybody else that, you know, that, that uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, to call friends. And it's a weird sort of friendship, of course, because most of your interaction is, is virtual punctuated by, you know, short bursts of, you know, a few days together, a couple of times a year. Uh, so it's a, it's a strange relationship compared to, uh, you know, traditional ones from years and years ago, but, uh, but that's my life and I enjoy it. I, I really, that's my social life there. Uh, and I enjoy, I enjoy reading their work. Um, and, and I mentioned my co-author and friend Colin Conway. I, I get the opportunity to read his work, um, you know, slightly less polished, but a whole lot earlier than most people uh, as we edit each other's work, uh, uh, you know, during the writing process. And and that's a lot of fun, not only to see his, his uh, skill as a writer grow, but, you know, those are series that he's writing as well. And so uh, much like in my River City series, you get to see these characters grow, change, interact, uh, and, and so forth. And, and so that's a lot, of, a lot of fun. Outside of crime fiction, though, um, you know, I, I'm a history buff, so I enjoy uh, a good history book, depending on the topic, uh, uh, you know, because I, I do have some areas that I enjoy more than others. Uh, ancient history is a, a big one for me. Uh, and so that that that's a, a, a lot of fun. Um, I'm not a big self-help reader, but if it has to do with human behavior, I find that interesting. So I've read a, uh, pretty much everything Malcolm Gladwell has has written, um, you know, uh, and and books of that nature. Uh, and then I like fantasy and sci-fi, which is what I grew up on. Uh, I don't read as much of it as I as I used to. I'm a little more selective, but uh, I do. I do like that. I think science fiction, especially, um, even though I enjoy fantasy more as a reader, I think science fiction is much like crime fiction in that it allows the writer to address social conventions or issues in a slightly disguised fashion that, uh, you know, we're not trying to brainwash anybody, but it does slide in under the subconscious or the conscious a little bit. And I think a, a forces the reader or allows the reader to examine it, you know, a little bit more uh, without having their defenses up right away if they have a different viewpoint um, or uh, if they completely agree, just, you know, nodding their head and moving on. It actually gives them the opportunity to sort of uh, sift through the, those ideas a little bit in a different context. Uh, and that's one of the things I, I've always enjoyed about sci-fi and, and, and crime fiction. Love that. Are there any books or authors that inspired you to become a writer? Well, I grew up on on fantasy and sci-fi, so I grew up reading Piers Anthony, um, who is a very eclectic uh, author. Uh, writes both fantasy and science fiction. Writes both both very serious, speculative things uh, and very flippant, funny, uh, lighthearted things. Um, and so I'm amazed at that range. I, I don't believe I have that range or certainly not to the degree, um, that someone like, like him, uh, like someone like him, um, you know, I'm from Spokane and David Eddings was, a was a very well-known, uh, fantasy author. 
when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, his Belgarian series was was one of my favorites growing up, and and so it was really cool to to think here's a guy who's from the same town that I am, and it's not a huge town. I mean, it's not a it's not you know tiny. Uh, and I actually grew up in Deer Park, about 20 minutes north, which is which is tiny comparatively speaking. But you know, here's a guy from Spokane who's doing great, and then uh, then of course Jess Walters from Spokane too, and he's a fantastic author. He's been very inspirational. Um, I, I, I took a lot of inspiration as a writer, particularly as I got a little bit older, uh, from the work of Stephen King, not just as on writing, but in in, in actually reading his work, both as a reader, but also keeping a writer eye on how he, things he was doing. Um, so th- those folks have been inspirational and you can't write, you know, crime fiction, particularly police procedurals as a former police officer or law enforcement uh, officer of any kind and not have been inspired by Joseph Wamba. I mean, it's just impossible. He, he was the, uh, the, the pioneer, the trailblazer in that department. Um, and so I've been fortunate to exchange a few emails with him, uh, but uh, it, it would be great if uh, someday I actually got a chance to meet him and just say thanks uh, because he's been quite the inspiration. Love that. And I know you've touched on this next question a bit. Um, what type of books you did you grow up reading? However, did you have an all-time favorite? Ooh, well, I didn't mention Tolkien, but I was a big Lord of the Rings reader as well. Um, And I read uh, the other genre that I read uh, growing up that was completely different were um, the books by S.E. Hinton, uh, The Outsiders, that was then, this is now, Rumblefish and Tex uh, were the four that were out during that time period. Um, And and I think her books were were among my favorite, particularly that was then, this is now. Um, so I guess if, depending on which day you caught me, I would have either said, you know, The Fellowship of the Ring or That Was Then, This Is Now uh, at that, you know, 12, 13, 14 age. Love that. On the other side of that, now as an adult, do you have a favorite series or author that if something comes out, you're going to automatically grab it? Yeah, that's such a, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to create a top 10 to that question, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I mentioned Jordan Harper earlier, his his books, he hasn't written many, but his books for me have become a, a, an automatic buy, even without reading the back jacket uh, cover at this point. I always check out a Stephen King book when it comes out, see if it's one I'm interested in. I usually am. Uh, you know, eleven twenty two sixty three is is probably one of my favorite books as an adult. Uh, um, I like Michael Connelly's uh, Lincoln Lawyer series, which is ironic considering I loved Bosch as well, and the and the TV series uh, you know, starring Titus Welliver was also fantastic. But but I actually kind of like the Lincoln Lawyer books better for some reason, which is really weird. Having been a cop for 20 years, you you don't tend to have the greatest of of feelings towards defense attorneys. But I just I, I like the the Holler books. I like the way he he thinks, and I like the way Connolly uh, presents those. Um, I think Dennis Lehane is is one of the uh, most literary crime writers that I've read. And, and I think he does a great job of 
writing both a great crime book that's also really beautiful to read if that makes any sense um and so and he's a funny guy uh in the times that i've seen him at conferences he's been pretty hilarious uh very down to earth uh in, in the way that he appears um so those are just some of them that's you know those, those would be on my top 10 but uh, I, I couldn't tell you what order they'd be in and i'm probably forgetting another half dozen or so that i'd be like oh yeah that guy oh yeah that gal i beat her in a second you know so love that what would you tell someone just starting out with reading again? So somebody who hasn't really been reading, whose interest has been peaked once more and they want to pick up a book. Yes. I would say do it. <laughs> I mean, reading gives you a very rich life. Um, my wife and I have talked about this on many occasions, but reading is one of those skills that um, it benefits you in every aspect of your life, not uh, and take away the entertainment piece of it, uh, it still benefits you in a practical sense uh, in everything you do, um, benefits you in terms of critical thinking, uh, focus, I mean, all, all kinds of things. Uh, and then, of course, there's the entertainment value. And the thing is, is that there's so much to read. Whatever you're interested in, you know, it's like the internet, right? I mean, whatever you're interested in, there's a, a site for that. There's a podcast about it. Well, there's a book about it too, probably a series uh, with a character that you'll identify with. And 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 there you go. Um, one thing I would say to someone picking up a book again and, and wanting to read after not reading for a while is to be open-minded about where you get your book. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be from a New York, uh, you know, big New York publisher uh, who's publishing traditionally. Nothing wrong with that and, and go for it. Um, but don't necessarily look down your nose at, at someone who isn't that, uh, you know, published by, by that. If they, they could be published by a smaller press or be uh, an independent uh, author like myself who publishes their own work. Um, I, I would just say, look at whether the, the, the book interests you uh, you know, and if it looks like it's a quality book, if they put the time in to uh, create a, a good book cover and you read the writing sample and it grabs you, well, then it really doesn't matter where it comes from. It matters that you're going to enjoy it. Love that. On the other side of that, what would you tell someone just starting to write their own book? Um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make a joke a little bit and then I'll give you my real answer. But, um, you know, there's there's a uh, been a lot of people moving up to places like Montana and 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 you know other more remote areas and and a lot of those places uh, have taken to creating a uh, a t-shirt that they want to give these folks that are coming up and poking around that says, you know, uh, Montana, it's horrible to live here. Now go back and tell all your friends. Um, and so, you know, I mean. Uh, tongue in cheek, if, if somebody asked me what, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book, what would I say? I'd say, knock it off. There's too many of us already. Um, and that's just because the the real challenge right now for most writers, even traditionally published writers, although they have an easier time of it uh, due to marketing budgets, um, you know, isn't whether your work will be published or not. It's discoverability. It's, it's uh, battling obscurity. It's getting eyeballs on your work. Um, because if you have quality work, then, you know, if somebody sees it and reads it, 
you're golden, right? You know, if you're comfortable that your work is good, that's your biggest obstacle is getting, you know, people to know about you and think to themselves, oh yeah, I like police procedurals that are realistic. I'm going to check this guy's work out. I mean, you know, that's why I'm on this show, right? It's to, to, to hopefully connect with a reader or two. Um, now that said, every writer I know, virtually every writer I know is extremely supportive of other writers and I'm no different. Um, you know, you, you help your peers out where you can, you support the people ahead of you in the journey by buying their work, uh, and talking about them. And you support the people who are maybe not as far along in their journey by offering assistance where you can. Um, and so I would say, one of the best places to get the answer to that question is to go read Stephen King's on writing. I mean, it has almost become a Bible for writers uh, at this point. Um, and that's because he makes a lot of great points. You know, I mean, if you want to be a writer, you you better read and then read and read and read. Reading is like push-ups for your writing brain. Um, it's always good for you. Um, and then the other advice is you got to write. You know, people... A lot of people talk about, oh, I'm, I want to write a book, or how do you write a book, or what do I need to do in order to write a book? And they they plan it, and they chat about it, and they seek information about it. They do everything but sit down and write it. And I understand why. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a number of reasons why. But I think one is if if writing a book is your dream, you know, and you eventually sit down and try to do it, and you fail the dream is gone. If you just kind of keep pecking away at it and it's always a future thing, then the dream stays alive. Um, and that's fine. If that, if that works for you, that is absolutely fine. But if you really want to hold it in your hands at some point, uh, you know, and have it be a completed story, uh, then you have to sit down and you have to write it and you have to not be afraid that it might suck when you write the first draft and somebody that you give it to might tell you that it sucks right now. Uh, because, you know, if you want to be a writer, you got to read, 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 and you've got to write, write, write. You also are going to have to revise, revise, revise. That's where the work comes in. And, and, you know, I don't know that everybody's willing to do the first thing, much less the second or the third. Uh, and my advice to someone considering it would be, you know, gird your loins, you know, be prepared to do those things, um, or just, you know, admit that you're not going to. And and that's okay too. I'll never be in a band as much as I love to strum the guitar. And I'm trying to always, you know, be able to play to a point where if I tell you, listen to this, you can tell me what song it is. You know, I mean, to me, that's a major accomplishment. You know, but I know I'll never play in a band and I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I don't have the skill set or the time and effort and, and so forth to do that. Um, Writing may be your guitar paling, maybe something that you play at, you write journal, you might write a short story or two here and there, but that, you know, that may be it. That's okay. If on the other hand, getting a, a, a book finished or, or making a career out of is what you want to do, that's great. Do the things necessary, be willing to do the things necessary to make that happen. And I guess the last piece of advice is one that I have to continually give to myself, and that is to remember that it, it, tenacity is is perhaps the you know most important tool in a writer's toolbox. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint, they say, and that's incredibly true. You have to be willing to 
except that there are going to be days where things aren't going great or, or when sales don't happen or when, you know, uh, a, a book or a story isn't received at the same level of adulation that you'd hoped. And, and all of these kinds of setbacks uh, happen frequently in a writer's life and you have to be uh, mentally uh, prepared to, to deal with them. And that's where your friends come in, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons you go to these conferences is, is uh, essentially to all support each other because every one of us has been kicked in the grind more than once where this is concerned. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I read a book uh, way back in like 87, I was at the Presidio Monterey when I was still in the army and, and uh, uh, found this book at the library uh, by a guy named Gary Provost. And it was called Make Every Word Count. And it was basically a how to write book, you know, which is a difficult proposition uh, to, to, to convey to somebody, how do you write? Um, and much like Stephen King's book, Provost had a whole lot of, you know, craft suggestions in there and, and, and technical suggestions, but he also touched on the human side of it, the writer's side of it. And one of the things that he suggested was find, you know, one, two, three other writers that you can meet with on a somewhat regular basis that you guys can, can kind of support each other. Um, because, you know, all of these things that I described a, a little while ago are going to happen. And, and the, and the phrase that stuck with me even all these years later was that sometimes another writer will understand what the rest of the world will not. Um, you know, how that feels to finally see your book in print, how it feels to get a one-star review that completely rips your guts out. All of these positive and negative experiences, people can understand them maybe, but nobody will truly understand them the way another writer will. And so you you really want to have that network, uh, at least a small one in place and be part of someone else's network uh, to support them if you're going to do this for the long haul. Love that. Amazing. What's one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? Hmm. Um... Gosh, that's a good question. I haven't had that one in, in quite a while. Um, I, you know, I went to a one, one of my first conferences back in 2007. And, and so I guess the answer might be in what happened there. Um, you know, I, I, I write a lot of dark and gritty stuff. And even more so, I think, back then, uh, I leaned that way a little more anyway. And and so I was part of this online community and it was mostly, you know, like forums and, and other exchanges, email and so forth, not in person. And, and so, you, you know, you develop a persona based on those exchanges. And I didn't really think about it. And I didn't realize what, you know, or contemplate what my persona was. I wasn't trying to create one. I was just being myself. Um, but between the exchanges that I had with people and the, and the stuff I was writing, Obviously, there was one. So I get there to to it was Left Coast Crime in uh, Seattle, two thousand seven, and a couple of the people that I met there um, were people that I had known online, and, and we palled around like you do. And I think it was the first or second night. One of the women I knew 
uh, we were a group of us were walking out uh, to dinner and she was looking at me and shaking her head. And I was like, Ooh, what'd I do? You know, <laughs> you know, and she just said, no, no, it's fine. It's just that you're not anything like I expected. And I said, well, what did you expect? You know? And, and she said, well, based on, you know, online and books and stories, you know, I thought you were going to be pretty dark. You know, I said, what do you mean? Like a, you know, bourbon swilling cigar, smoking, gravelly voiced, you know, noir stuff. And she said, no, but a lot darker, but you're funny. She, you know, apparently I was being funny there. Uh, I wish I, I wish I could figure out how I could do it more now, but uh, it surprised her. And so I guess the answer to the question would be that, you know, I think people are sometimes surprised that a writer isn't as closely aligned with some of the things that he or she writes as you might expect. Um, and, and that's not as uncommon as you might think. I, I think that, you know, say a person who writes really dark stuff might actually be a, a lighter personality in person. And, and I think that's because a lot of whatever darkness that they have is purged out in that writing process, you know, in, in, in almost a cathartic way. Um, and so it's, uh, it's different than you, you, you might expect. Um, so that'd be my answer. Love that. Is there anything you would like to say or add? You know, I don't think so. Uh, we covered a whole lot of ground. You asked some really, really good questions. I guess the only thing I would say is the same thing, uh, that I would say about any other, uh, especially independent writer out there. And that is, uh, you know, give it a chance. If you like crime fiction, if you like police procedurals, or you like hard boiled private investigator stuff, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is that you, if you like any of those things, pick up a book and give it a chance. Cause you might discover a new, a new author. And if that happens to be me, I'm thrilled. If it happens to be someone else, I'm likewise thrilled for them and you. Love that. Where's the best place for readers to find your book? I know some readers love signed copies. Is that an option and the best place to connect with you? Um, probably the first stop is like with every author, my website, uh, franksafiro.com. Uh, there's a lot of information on there. Um, I, I, you know, I'm on BookBub, I'm on Amazon, I'm on uh, currently Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm not super active on social media uh, on a con constant basis, but I'm a, I'm a daily check-in guy at least. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there. My, my email contact information is on the website. I answer every email, email I get. I even check my spam folder occasionally, make sure nothing slips, gets gets uh, you know screened out that shouldn't. Um, you know, I have the the luxury of not being you know inundated with with emails like somebody like Stephen King or Michael Connelly or or, or someone like that. Um, so I I can answer every email and it, and it's it's a real joy. Um, before we go, I'll tell you a quick uh, little little story. Uh, I mentioned Piers Anthony earlier. Uh, as one of my uh, favorite authors when I was quite young. Um, and back then we had these things called letters. <laughs> you had to write on paper, put it in a paper envelope and put a stamp on it. Um, and you give it to your mailman and, you know, at much less than the speed of light, it finds its way to its destination. Right. And so I wrote letters to a few of these authors that I was 
uh, enamored with at 12, 13 years old, um, including Piers Anthony. And I got a few letters back, but a lot of them were obviously looking back, you know, a, a secretary or some administrative assistant, you know, did it and maybe they just signed it. But Piers Anthony used to get like a three by five card and type on one side and put your address on the other and mail it back to you. And like his, you know, there'd be X'd out, you know, mistakes and typos and everything he didn't carry, just banged it out. And it was obviously he, that he read your letter because he would answer your questions. And then he'd tell you something cool about a new book coming out or, or whatever. And I, I must've got two or three responses from him over the year, over, you know, a couple of years there. And I was just absolutely thrilled with that. I mean, I, I mean, that's, was amazing. Um, to be able to reach out and touch somebody in a way that you're so, you know, much a fan of. And of course that's, you know, I sound very naive telling this story now because today you can at somebody on Twitter and they might like, you know, respond or like your post or, or whatever. And, and so celebrities are, are far more accessible. Um, but I always remember that exchange with, with Piers Anthony. And um, so I always vowed that, um, you know, I would be that kind of writer that I would answer emails and interact with readers uh, if I was fortunate enough to have any. Uh, and so uh, that is one thing I can always promise is uh, you'll hear back from me. It might not be immediately, but you will get a, a reply. Um, and the other place I should say that that's great to connect is some of those conferences I mentioned. Some of them are readers conferences like Left Coast Crime and VoucherCon in particular. And I uh, have made a habit these last few years of going to uh, at least Left Coast Crime in the spring and VoucherCon in the fall and sometimes a few other conferences as well. So uh, it's always a thrill to run into somebody that's been reading your work at one of those. Love that. That's so amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited we got to interview you and hear more about you and your books. And again, thank you. Well, thank you. You've asked some really great questions. Thank you.